Babbel.com. Language for life. Why Babbel? When you want to learn a new language, you want to be able to actually use it. With real people in the real world, every part of Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Designed by pros. Lessons with realistic scenarios designed by over 100 linguists. Use whatever you learn. Interactive dialogues that get you speaking confidently. Learn on any device. Compatibility with most devices with lessons that are only 10 to 15 minutes. Remember everything. Reviews that bring back everything you've learned. Number one selling language learning app. Download <coughs> Download the app today and start learning language for your everyday life from the App Store app or Google Play. Choose how you learn. To start with Babel, choose a plan <coughs> Choose a plan that's best for you, that works best for you. Babel app subscription, get unlimited access to hundreds of award winning lessons designed for all learners based on levels and time commitment. Babbel Live Subscription. You'll have access to live virtual classes taught by top language teachers. Available at a variety of days, times, and levels, plus access to all Babbel online lessons. People love Babbel. Thousands of five-star reviews, including publications that love Babbel, like the Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, CNN, Forbes, the New York Times, the Washington Post, <coughs> US Today, or CNET. Choosing the following languages, Spanish, French, German, Italian, Russian, Portuguese, Turkish, <coughs> Dutch, Swedish, Polish, Polish, Norwegian, Indonesian, or Danish, and many more. Over 10 million subscriptions sold. Plushcare.com, healthcare that matters, makes you smile. Virtual primary care and mental health treatments when you need it. Get personalized, high-quality health care by take, take, talking to top U.S. medical doctors, all from the ease of your smartphone. Care for you and the ones you love most. High-quality. PlushCare's highly skilled online doctors are trained at the top 50 U.S. medical schools. With an average of 15 years of experience, their online doctors give you and your entire family the peace of mind you should expect from your healthcare provider. Convenient? Just book an appointment, chat via a video or your smartphone, and pick up your advanced technology. Integrated with most major insurers, labs, and pharmacies. Affordable. Talking to an online doctor has never been easier and more affordable. For just your copay or $99 per visit, you can get quality care from one of our one of their highly skilled online doctors, they are in network with most major insurers in the U.S. They provide care in all 50 states. Over 415,000 patients cared for. Good morning. Hope you enjoyed this second part of the death of Kaylee Anthony, murder or accident, part two. Verdict and sentence on July 5th, 2011. The jury found Casey not guilty of counts 1 through 3 regarding first-degree murder, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and aggravated child abuse while finding her guilty on counts 4 through 7 for providing false information to law enforcement. Count 4, Anthony said she was employed at Universal Studios through 2008 pursuant to the investigation of a missing persons report. 
count five, Anthony said she left Kaylee at the apartment complex with babysitter causing law enforcement to pursue the missing babysitter. Count six, Anthony said she informed two employees of Universal's Jeff Hopkins and Juliet Lewis at Universal of disappearance of Kaylee. Count seven, Anthony said she had received a phone call and spoke to Kaylee on July 5, 2008, causing law enforcement to expend further resources. On July 7, 2011, sentencing arguments were heard. The, the defense asked for the sentencing to be based on one count of lying on the grounds that the offenses occurred as part of a single interview with police dealing with the same matter. The disappearance of her daughter as one continuous lie. The defense also argued for concurrent sentences. That is all four counts to become one count and the sentence to run together as one. The judge disagreed with defense arguments, finding that Anthony's statements consisted of four distinct separate lies. Ordered the sentences to be served, consecutively noting that law enforcement expended a great deal of time and energy and manpower looking for Kaylee Marie Anthony. The search went from July through December over several months, trying to find Kaylee Marie Anthony. Judge Perry sentenced Kaylee Casey to one year in the county jail and a thousand dollar fines for each of the four counts. Of providing false information to law enforcement officer, the maximum penalty is prescribed by law. She received one thousand. 43 days credit for time served, plus additional credit for good behavior, resulting in a release on July 17, 2011. Anthony filed a notice of appeal on July 15, 2011. In September 2011, Perry, complying with a Florida statute requiring judge, judges to access investigative and prosecuted costs if requested by a state agency, ruled that Casey Anthony must pay 217000 to the state of Florida. He ruled she had to pay those costs directly related to lying to Law enforcement about the death of Kaylee included search costs only up to September 30th, 2008, when the sheriff's office stopped investigating a missing child case. In early arguments, Mason had called the prosecutor's attempts to exact the largest sum sour grace because the prosecution lost its case. He told reporters that Anthony is in in Anthony is indigent, indigent. In January 2013, the Florida Appeals Court reduced her convictions from four to two counts. Her attorney had argued that her false statements constituted a single offense. However, the Appeals Court noticed she gave the false statement during two separate police interviews several hours apart. Media coverage. Into, in initial coverage, the case attracted a certain amount of national media attention and was regularly the main topic of many TV talk shows. TV talk shows, including those hosted by Greta Van Susteren, Nancy Grace, Geraldo Rivera, and others. It has been featured on Fox's America's Most Wanted, NBC's Dateline, and ABC's 2020. Nancy Grace referred to Casey Anthony as the top mom who urged the public to let the professionals, the psychics, and police do their jobs. Casey Anthony's parents, Cindy and George, appeared on the Today Show on October 22, October 22, 2008. They maintained their belief that Kaylee was alive and would be found Larry Garrison, President of Silver Creek Entertainment, was their spokesman until he resigned in November 2008, citing that he was leaving due to the Anthony fans' erratic behavior. More than 6,000 pages of evidence released by the Orange County Sheriff's Department, including hundreds of instant messages between Casey's ex-boyfriend Tony Rochano, were the subject of increased scrutiny by the media for clues of possible motives in the homicide outside the Anthony home. WESH-TV2 reported that protesters were police shot a baby killer and that George Anthony was physically attacked. George Anthony reported missing on January 22, 2000 as he failed to show up for a meeting with his lawyer, Brad Conway. George 
lawyer Brad Conway. George was found in Daytona Beach Motel the next day after sending messages to family members threatening suicide. He was taken to Halifax Hospital for a psychiatric evaluation and later released. Trial coverage. The trial was commonly compared to the O.J. Simpson murder case, both for its widespread media attention and the initial shock of the not, guilty, not guilty verdict. At the start of the trial, dozens of people raced to the Orange County Courthouse hoping to secure one of 50 seats open to the public at the murder trial. Because the case received, so, received such thorough immediate attention in Orlando, jurors were brought in from Pinellas County, Florida, and sequestered for the entire trial. The trial became a macabre tourist attraction as people camped outside for seats in the courtroom where scuffles also broke out among those one seats inside. The New York Post described the trial as going from the from being a newsworthy case to one of the biggest ratings drawn in recent memory. The Time magazine dubbed it the social media trial of the century. Cable news channels and network news programs became intent upon covering the case as extensively as they could. Scott Stafford, Executive Vice President of HLN, said it was not about policy, but rather the very, very strong human dimension of the case that drove the network to cover it. The audience for HLN's Nancy Grace rose more than 150%, and other news channels deciding to focus on the trial saw the ratings double and triple. HLN has achieved its most watched hour in network history, 4.575 million, and peaked at 5.205 million when the verdict was read. According to the Christian Post, the O.J. Simpson case had a 91% television video audience with 142 million people listening by radio and watching television as the verdict was delivered. The Simpson case was the longest trial ever held in California, costing more than $20 million to fight and defend, running up to 50,000 pages of trial transcript in the process. The case the Anthony trial was expected to far exceed these numbers. Opinions varied on what made the public thoroughly invested in the trial. Safon argues that Anthony's, the Anthony's having made a regular and unremarkable family with complex relations made them intriguing to watch. In a special piece for CNN, psychologist Frank Farley described the circumstantial evidence as all over the map, and that combined with apparent lying significant contradictions and flip-flops of testimony and questionable or bizarre theories of human behavior, is it is little wonder that this nation was glued to the tube. He said it was a trial that was both a psychologist's dream and nightmare, and believes that much of the public's fascination had to do with the uncertainty of a motive for the crime. Psychologist Carol McBride discussed how some mothers stray away from the saintly archetype expected of mothers we want so badly to hang on to the belief system that mothers don't harm children. She stated it's fascinating that the defense in the Anthony case found a way to blame the father. While we don't know what is true and maybe it never will, it is worth taking a look at the narcissistic family when maternal narcissism rules a roost. Casey Anthony is a beautiful white woman, and the fact that the case includes such things as sex, lies, and videotapes makes it irresistible. When the not guilty verdict was rendered, there was significant outcry among the general public, and meaning that the jury made the wrong decision. Outside the courthouse, many of the crowd of 500 reacted with anger, chanting to disapprove of waving protest signs. People took to Facebook and Twitter, as well as other social media outlets, to express their outrage. Traffic to, traffic to news sites surged, about, surged from about 2 million page views a minute to 3.3 million, which most of the visits coming from the United States. Mashable reported that between 2 p.m. and 3 p.m., 1 million viewers are watching CNN.com slash live. 30 times higher than the previous month's average. Twitter's trending topics in the United States were mostly about the subjects related to the case. End user reported 
that posts on Facebook are coming in too fast for all Facebook to even account them, meaning at least 10 per second. Some people refer to the verdict as OJ number two, and various media personalities and celebrities express outrage via Twitter. News anchor Julie Chen became visibly upset while reading the nugget verdict on the talk and had to be assisted by her fellow co-hosts, who also expressed their dismay. Others, such as Sean Hannity of the Fox News Channel, felt the verdict was fair because the prosecution did not have enough evidence to establish guilt and meet its burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Hannity said the verdict was legally correct and that all of the evidence was that was presented by the prosecutors was either impeached or contradicted by the defense. John Cloud of Time Magazine echoed the sentiments saying the jury made the right call. Anthony got off because the prosecution couldn't answer the questions. Cloud stated because the prosecutors had so little physical evidence they built the case on Anthony's nearly imperceptible moral character. The prosecutors seemed to think that if jurors saw what a fantastic liar Anthony was, they would understand that she could also be a murderer. Disagreements with the verdict was heavily debated by the media, lawyers, and psychologists who put forth several theories for public dissatisfaction with the decision, ranging from wanting justice for Kaylee to the circumstances evidence having been strong enough to some blaming the media. UCLA forensic psychiatrist Dr. Carol Lieberman said, The main reason that people are reacting so strongly is that the media convicted Casey before the jury decided on the verdict. The public has been whipped up into this frenzy. One revenge for this poor little adorable child, and because of the desire for revenge, they've been whipped up into a lynch mob. She added, nobody likes a liar, and Anthony was a habitual liar. And nobody likes the fact that she was partying at the Kaylee's death. And Casey obviously has a lot of psychological problems. Whether she murdered her daughter or not is another thing. There was a gender gap of perceptions to the case, according to the USA Today Gallup poll of 1,000. Ten respondents, about two-thirds of Americans, 64%, believe Casey Anthony definitely probably murdered her daughter. However, women were much more likely than men to believe the murder charges against Casey and to be upset by the not guilty verdict. The poll reported that women were more than twice as likely as men, 28% versus 11%, to think Anthony definitely committed murder. 27% of women said they were angry about the verdict compared with 9% of men on the day Casey Anthony was sentenced for lying to investigate in the death of her daughter. Supporters and protesters gathered outside the Orange County Courthouse with one man who displayed a sign asking Anthony to marry him. Two men who drove overnight from West Virginia held signs that said, We love and support you, Casey Anthony. Nancy Grace stopped trying to ruin Oh, Nancy Grace stepped trying to ruin innocent lives. The jury has spoken. P.S. Our legal system still works. The gender gap has partly been explained by the maternal instinct. The idea of a mother murdering her own child is a threat to their ideal of Motherhood, for example, the trial was carried to the 1960s trial of Alice Crimmins, who was accused of murdering her two small children. Explanation other than or emphasis on prosecution's lack of forensic evidence were given for the jury decision. A number of media commentators reasoned that the prosecution overcharged the case by tagging on the death penalty, concluding that people in good conscience could not sentence Anthony to death. Based on the circumstances ever presented, the CSI effect was also extensively argued that society now lives in a CSI age where everyone expects fingerprints and DNA, and we are sending a message that old-fashioned circumstances evidence is not sufficient. Like West Comday, such as O.J. Simpson, case prosecutor Marshall Clark believed that the jury interpreted reasonable doubt too narrowly. 
Clark said instruction on a reasonable doubt is the hardest and most elusive instruction of all, and I think it's where even the most fair-minded jurors can get derailed. She said opining the confusion between reasonable doubt and the reason of the reason to doubt and soften there they have three verdicts guilty, not guilty, and not proven is one way of showing that even if the jury didn't believe the evidence amounted to proof beyond a reasonable doubt and didn't find the defendant innocent either, there's a difference. Aftermath, defense, prosecution, and jury. Following the criminal trial, Mason blamed the media for the passionate hatred directed toward Casey Anthony. He, descri he described it as a media assassination of her before, the and, before and during the trial, saying that, I hope this is a lesson to those of you who have indulged in media assassination for three years, bias and prejudice. An incumbent talking hits ad saying that would be and how to be. Mason added, I can tell you that my colleagues from coast to coast and border to border have condemned the whole process of lawyers getting on television and talking about cases that they, that they don't know a damn thing about and don't have the experience to back up their words or the law to do it. Now you have learned a lesson. Mason's response was viewed especially critical of Nancy Grace, who news, whose news program is cited as having almost single-handedly inflated the Anthony case from a routine local murder into a national obsession. Grace said that she did not understand why Mason would care what pundits are saying and that she imagines she has tried and covered as many cases as Mason. She criticized the defense attorneys for delivering media criticism before mentioning Kaylee's name in their post-verdict news conference and said she disagrees with the verdict. At a meeting of the local professionals named the Tiger Bay Club of Tampa, Mason told the media and, who's, and those in attendance that he was surprised at a not guilty verdict. State's attorney Lawson Lamar said we're dis disappointed in the verdict today because we know the facts and we put in absolutely every piece of evidence that existed. This is a dry bone, bones case. Very, very difficult to prove. The delay in covering little Kaylee's remains worked to our considerable advantage. Joe Jose Baez said, while we're happy for Casey, there are no winners in this case. Kaylee has passed on far, far too soon. And what may, and what my driving force has been for the last few years has always, has been always to make sure that there was that there has been justice for Kaylee and Casey because Casey did not murder Kaylee. It's that simple, he added, and today our justice has not dishonored her memory by a false conviction. More former Casey Anthony defense attorney Linda Kennedy Baden shares bias sentiments. She believes the jury reached the right verdict. We should embrace their verdict, she stated. On July 6, 2011, Judge Ashton gave his first interview about the case on The View. Ashton said of the verdict, Obviously, it's not the outcome we wanted, but from the perspective of what we do, this is this was a fantastic case. He disagrees with those who state the prosecution overturned the case, saying the facts that we had, this was a first-degree murder. I think it all came down to the evidence. I think ultimately it came down to the cause of death. Ashton initially explained that if the jury did not perceive first-degree murder, when they saw the photograph of Kaylee's skull with duct tape, so be it. He said he accepts the jury decision and has not taken away his faith in the justice system. You can't believe in the rule of law and not accept that. Sometimes it doesn't go away. go the way you think it should, <coughs> stated Ashen, and explained that he understands why the case struck such a nerve with the public. I think people. I think when people see someone that they believe has gone, has so gone away from a mother's love for her child, it just outrages them. Ashton also made appearances on several other talk shows in the days following, and complimented Jose Baez on his cross examination as having the potential to be a great attorney.
After the trial ended, the 12 jurors did not The 12 jurors did not initially want to discuss the verdict with the media. 51-year-old Russell Hookler, an alternative jury who stepped forward the day of the verdict, said the prosecution did, didn't provide the evidence that was there for any of the charges from first-degree murder down to the second-degree to the child abuse to even the manslaughter charge. It, was, it just wasn't there. The next day, juror number three, Jennifer Ford, a 32-year-old nursing student, told ABC News, I did not say she was innocent. I just said there was not evidence. There was not enough evidence. If you cannot prove what the crime was, crime is, you cannot determine what the punishment should be. She added, "I am not saying that I believe the defense, but that it's easier for me to logic it from point A to point B via the defense argument, as opposed to the prosecution argument." Ford believed George Anthony was dishonest. She said the jury was sick to their stomach to get the non-guilty verdict, and that the decision process all around then to the point where they did not want to talk to reporters afterwards. Juror number two, a 46-year-old male who, who requested to stay identified, told the St. Petersburg Times that everybody agreed if we were going to full, going fully on feelings and emotions, Anthony was done. He stated that a lack of evidence was the reason for the not guilty verdict. I swear to God, I wish we had more evidence to put her away. I truly do, but it wasn't there. He also said that Anthony was not a good person. In my opinion, juror number six, identified by WTSB as Brian Burling, told Gossip Wessup, TMZ.com, that he was willing to be interviewed so long as the opportunities are paid. In the anonymous interview, the jury foreman stated, when I had to sign off on the verdict, the sheet was given to me. There was just a feeling of disgust that came over, knowing that my signature and Casey Anthony's signature were going to be on the same sheet but that there was a suspicion of George Anthony that played a part in the jury's deliberations. The former stated his work experience enabled him to read people and that George Anthony had a very selective memory, which stayed with the jurors, emphasized that the jury was frustrated by the motive, cause of death, and George Anthony. That a mother would want to do something like that to a child just because she wanted to go out and party, he said we felt that the motive and the state provided was, in our eyes, was just kind of weak. Although the former objected to KCS's behavior in the wake of her daughter's death, he, did, he and the jury did not factor that behavior in the verdict because it was not illegal. They initially took a vote on a murder count, which was 10 to 2, two voting guilty, but, more, but after more than 10 hours of deliberation, they decided the only charge, charges they felt were proven were the four counts of lying to law enforcement. Perry announced that at sentencing on July 7th, that he would withhold the jurors' names for several months because of a concern that some people will take will uh, would like to take something out on them. He released the jurors' names on October 25, 2011. On May 6, 2013, he stated that he believed there was sufficient evidence to convict Anthony, even though most of the evidence was circumstantial, and that he was shocked by the not guilty verdict. Anthony family. Mark Littman, the attorney for George and Cindy Anthony, told ABC News that the family received death threats after his not guilty verdict was rendered in response to the verdict. A statement was released by Littman on behalf of the Anthony family, George, Cindy, and Lee, Cindy and Lee Anthony. While the family may never know what has happened to Kaylee and Marie Anthony, they now have closure for this chapter of their life. They will begin to the long process of rebuilding their lives despite the baseless defense chosen by Casey Anthony. The family believes that the jury made fair decision based on the evidence presented, the testimony presented, the scientific information presented, on the, and the rules that were given to them by the Honorable Judge Perry to guide them. The family hopes that they will be given the time by the media to reflect on this verdict and decide the best way to move forward privately. 
It was alleged in the press reports that Cindy Anthony had perjured herself when telling jurors she, not Kathy Anthony, was the one who used her family computer to search the internet for chloroform. The state attorney office said she would not be charged. On July 6, 2011, Anthony's jailhouse letters were released to the general public. They were originally released, though not to the public, in April 2010 by prosecutors preparing for the Anthony trial in more than 250 handwritten pages. Anthony discusses in her life in jail what she misses and her plans for her the future if freed. On July 8, 2011, Cindy Anthony had scheduled a visit to meet with Casey at 7 p.m., but Casey declined to meet with her mother. Mark Lippman told Reuters during the trial that Casey had cut off communication with the parents. It was later announced that George and Cindy Anthony would be appearing on Dr. Field in September 2011 to tell their story. Casey left for an undisclosed location not long after the verdict. However, on August 12th, she was ordered to return to Florida to serve a year's supervised profession for an unrelated check fraud conviction. When she pleaded guilty to that charge in January 2010, the judge in that case intended for Casey to serve her probation as the proceedings in the murder case concluded, but an error in the sentencing documents allowed her to serve her probation while waiting trial. Casey returned to Florida on August 25th and is, un and is serving out her probation in an undisclosed location due to numerous threats against her life. The Department of Corrections did not enter her information to the state parole database. In August 2011, George and Cindy living at their home when she returned to Florida. Oh, George and Cindy issued a statement that Casey would not, would not be living at their home when she returned to Florida to serve her probation. According to Huffington Post, she was poorly working with her probation to take online college classes in an unspecified field while, protecting, while protected by her security at an undisclosed educational institution. In August 2011, the Florida Department of Children and Families released a report based on a uh, three-year investigation the disappearance and death of Kaylee. Kaylee, an agency spokesman, stated it is the conclusion of the DCF that Casey Anthony failed to protect the child from harm either through her action or lack of actions, which tragically resulted in the child's untimely death. Casey filed bankruptcy in the, with the Middle Court, Middle District of Florida Bankruptcy Court on January 7, 2013. Her estimated liabilities were between $500,000 and $1 million. Civil suits. In September 2000, Zaneda Fernandez-Gonzalez sued Casey for defamation. During the investigation, Anthony told the residents that she left a two-year, two-and-a-half-year-old Kaylee with a babysitter named Zaneda Fernandez-Gonzalez, also known as Zanny, on June 16th at the stairs of a specific apartment in the Sawgrass apartment complex located in Orlando. Fernandez-Gonzalez, who was listed on apartment records as, as having visited apartments on that date, was questioned by police but said she did not know Casey or Kaylee. Her definition suit six compensatory and punitive damage alleges that Casey willfully damaged her reputation. Fernandez-Gonzalez has told reporters that she lost her job, was evicted from her house, and received death threats against herself and her children as a result of Anthony's lies. Fernandez-Gonzalez's lawyer, John Morgan, says he wants to interrogate Anthony about Kelly's death because it is the essence of the defamation suit. On October 8, 2011, Morgan disposed, deposed Casey via a video conference. She exercised her Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination and answered only a couple of factual questions. Morgan felt that was improper, but legal experts think that Anthony is well within the rights to plead the fifth until her appeals of the conviction for lying to officers are exhausted. Fernandez-Gonzalez's attorney sought and received permission to obtain Anthony's address, though it was kept sealed for the public, so they could subpoena her to testify even if she only took the stand long enough to plead the fifth.
However, Fernandez Canales would have dropped her suit if Anthony apologized to her and compensated her for pain and suffering. In September 20, 2015, a judge ruled in favor of Anthony, stating there is nothing in the statement to support Fernandez Canales' allegations that Anthony intended to portray the nanny as a child never and potentially a child killer. In July 2011, Texas Search TES, a nonprofit group which assisted in the search for Kelly from July to December 2008 when she was believed to be missing, sued Anthony for fraud and unjust enrichment. TES estimates that it spent more than $100,000 searching for Kelly even though she was already dead. TES founder and director Tim Miller estimates that the abortive search for Kelly has expended 40% of the group's yearly resources, which could have been spent looking for other missing children. It only learned that Kaylee, Anthony knew all along that Kaylee was dead. When the trial began, TES and Anthony eventually settled out of court on October 18, 2013. TES also was listed as a credit to Anthony and was, listed, was entitled to $75,000. Kaylee's Law Since the end of the trial, various movements have arisen for the creation of a new law called Kaylee's Law that would impose stricter requirements on parents to notify enforcement of the death or disappearance of a child. One such petition circulated via change.org has gained nearly 1.3 million electronic signatures in response to this and other petitions lawmakers in four states, Florida, Oklahoma, New York, and West Virginia have begun drafting versions of Kaylee's Law. The law in Oklahoma would require a child's parent or guardian to notify police of a missing child within 24 hours and would also stipulate a time frame for notification of the disappearance of a young child under the age of 12. The Florida law would make it a felony if a parent or legal guardian fails to report a missing child in a timely manner if they could have known the child would be in danger. The call for mandatory reporting laws has been criticized as being reactive, overly discriminating, even counterproductive. One critic noted the law could lead to overcompliance and false reports by parents were becoming suspects, wasting police resources, and leading to legitimate abductions going uninvestigated during the critical first few hours. Additionally, innocent people could get snared in the law for searching for a child instead of immediately calling police. Memorials and tribute songs. Different artists have written songs in Kaylee's memory. John Wyknock performed his own version of his memorial service in February 2009. Rascal Gary LaVox collaborated with country comedian and radio host Cleo C. Judd and songwriter Jimmy Weary to write a song titled She's Going Places in Kaylee's Memory. Stay tuned for part four of the death of Kaylee Anthony, murder or accident.